This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. To stay in the know about everything happening at Fratton Park, including the latest news, analysis and transfer updates, take out an online Pompey subscription with the Portsmouth News today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Head of Sport Mark McMahon and Blues writer Sam Cox to bring you the very latest from Fratton Park. On this week's show, has an EFL trophy win ever been greeted so enthusiastically? We discussed why the success over Palace Under-21s was received so positively. Hurst or Marquis, who does Danny Cowley go with at Wickham after Hurst's Man of the Match display on Tuesday night? Stay or go? What does Danny Cowley do with the 13 out-of-contract players next summer? There's January transfer window talk plus full Wickham preview. We're now available from wherever you download your podcasts. So give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition downloaded to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pompey Talk. My name is Mark McMahon and joining me today to discuss all things Pompey is Jordan Cross and Sam Cox. Welcome, lads. Pompey beat. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a bit of sustenance of even, you know, it's kind of uh, how bad things are getting when you kind of seize upon a uh, EFL trophy win, don't you? And then it's kind of giving you such a pick-me-up, but it, it did on, on Tuesday night for a number of different reasons, which we'll explore. Uh, yeah, probably, as I say, indicative of how things go when, uh, when, you, when, you, when you're when doing that. Sam, is that your first match report on a Pompey victory since you joined us in the summer? <laughs> it's been that close, close, but as you say, it's indicative of the two months I've had already when Tuesday night was my favourite night of Fratton Park so far. And it was a game against a number 21 side in the Papa John's Trophy. So, yeah, it was uh, yeah an enjoyable experience and the, and the best best game I've seen, which is, yeah, which is, shows just how uh, underwhelming the season's been so far. Did you cover the I'd Sunderland say. game? You got the Sunderland game, Sam? No. So- I saw, um, but to be fair, but my last three have been wins, I think. But Bolton, Harrow, Harrow didn't really feel like a win, did it? But Harrow and... Um, <laughs> And then the Papa John's. Yeah. Well, staying on the things of the Papa John's, Jordy, like there, there's there is plenty of, to be positive about on the basis of that of that result. And at this moment in time, we do have to take anything that's that's thrown our way, really, don't we? Yeah, a uh, number of different points, wasn't there? I felt that it was a we did coverage on it, but because of um the, the dearth of attacking sort of options or uh, strength at the moment. We kind of seized upon George Hurst, which was natural because he, he was excellent man in the match performance. But I felt, I felt a little bit as to the detriment of the kids that came in and, and, and did so well. Of course, we we picked up on it, but in the immediacy, what a night for those for those youngsters. And and that that was um, you know Adam Pace um, coming in from, for me. I think he's barely seventeen, Adam. Uh, but before Tuesday night, it's not a name that's been particularly on my radar, I must be honest. Um, no. I mean, we know that the lads that have been mentioned, that's the keeper, Toby Stewart, 
Uh, Harry Jilt White's kind of seems to be the the pick of the, uh, the 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 crop at the moment. Harvey Hughes, Izzy Cabot, kind of hear those names around the first team. But Adam Pace has come in, and I think it's a reward for for his progress or, or how well he's done. Um, in looking at his name popping up in the academy match reports and. Um, a real slip of a lad, doesn't he? he? You know, somebody's like Harry Jude White's got the, you know, the size and Izzy Cabot, all the other lads are quite kind of physically developed, but he's a real kind of uh, think of a lad. But um, it was really good to see him uh, come in, not overawed by the occasion, go about his business. All, all the lads, actually, all the lads were excellent. I mean, we'll go through them, but um, I thought Harvey Hughes was just uh, very composed, uh, display against an opposite uh, in is really highly thought of at Crystal Palace. Uh, I forget his name now, but he's been ripping up and scoring goals for the, the age group, a ridiculous amount of goals. Um, so he had a real test on his hand there, but stuck to that task diligently. Um, and um, yeah, very just solid, dependable, got up, got forward, got his crosses in on a few occasions, distributed the ball well. And then Harry Jewett White came on the second half and, and pretty much showed what all the fuss is about while we hear the noise about how his distribution was good that he, he's got a good uh, Hollywood ball on him isn't he the, uh, the, the kind of uh, big bag cross field ball um, yeah some clever passing there was one moment with the uh, the outside of his right boot and he just slipped to kind of curve the ball round into the path of, of, of George Hurst and it, it, just, it just showed a touch of class um, yeah I don't know if Man United are uh, still watching him or not. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. We'll talk about that, but I know there's uh, the likes of Swansea and one or two others, I think Brighton possibly, but certainly Swansea uh, have been mentioned that they are they are keeping tabs on on uh, on Harry and uh, you can see why. So, uh, yeah, plenty of reasons to be cheerful because the academy, let's face it, has taken a hammering uh, of late as well. Yeah. Um, real battering. So it's good for them to have a, a positive night um and, and get some real yeah some positive headlines as well so um a lot about made about you know make what you will about what happened last season and clearing mm. the decks whether that was the right decision or not but it looks like the current crop coming through there's something to uh to, to be encouraged about so uh yeah that's that's very positive sam jordy manson a uh, hard deal white ever from the outside of his foot the current slid into the path of a teammate um, George Hurst tried something similar in the first half, a shot on goal, which didn't really have the exact execution <laughs> that he wished for. Um, I think Twitter at that stage had made up their mind, get him back straight away. That's something that has been building in recent weeks. But fair play to Hurst. He, he mm. sort of a, came up with the goods, and now all of a sudden people are seeing him as the, the answer to Pompey's goal scoring problems. Yeah, like you say, when <laughs> he did the hard work and, and it gets in that position and you think, hey, this is the moment. And then when he, well, toe punts it wide, you obviously saw what he was trying to do, but in effect, toe punt it wide. You thought, oh, it's another one of those evenings for him. But yeah, full credit to him. He didn't let that get to him. He didn't let the weight of, of the criticism he's received in recent weeks, you know, hamper him or, or get him down. And he was he was a bright spark for the whole game. And like, like we said, even before his goal, that, that uh, Seal Pompey's, qualification to the next round he was man of the match even prior to then so yeah it shows the character of the of the of the of the player and, and obviously still only 22 with not great experience in first team so you know it wouldn't have been um too surprising had he gone under a little bit but yeah he stuck to his guns he stuck to uh 
what obviously Cowley had asked him to do in terms of holding the ball up and, and running the channels and and was a was a nuisance of course it was a, a young back line of of Palace but still he had to do it and um, yeah and he got his just rewards for for that performance with a goal in the in the last minute and and is the hero and like you say it now gives Cowley options for for Saturday obviously you know people have been talking about the opposition on Tuesday but the opposition on the, the Saturday before was was a non-league side you know very I think seventh seventh step and and John Marcus played that day and, and still didn't have the desired effect that that Hurst did on Tuesday so I think there's an argument to be had that that Hurst could come in on on Saturday and and definitely will give uh, Marcus a run for his money that's for sure. Jordy like football fans are very fickle we're very fickle as well at the end of the day we're football fans but like the narrative has changed on in George Hurst over the past 48 hours. Are we right now to build him up? Yes, he's the answer to what we need. Or is Danny Curley still going to be 1st of January ready to go on a potential deal for another striker to add to his ranks? Oh, regardless of, uh, of um, George's progress, I think that, that striker will remain a priority for, for January. Um, no doubt about that. Um, but it's been a fillip for, from, to have... George do that, and it it shows you how things are. That was kind of one performance against an under twenty one side. Come on in, George. Come on, you know, get him in for the league game. Um, but but there's there's a quite a compelling case for that for that to be the uh, to, to to happen at Wickham this weekend. Um, I don't think we're uh, we're betraying any confidence co- confidences when we say that Danny Cowley had been disappointed with George so far. Um, um, but again, he's reported about how um, in the aftermath of the game, George, in, in his own words, said that the goal was like a, um, a weight off his shoulders. And, and speaking to Danny yesterday, he said it's amazing what, what confidence does. He said, since then, he said, now we're watching George in training and it, it's a different player all of a sudden. He said, he, you know, he, he's got his chest puffed out and, it, and, he, and, he, and he's looking like the business. So um, what it does, and um, it, it is a criticism of John Marcus there's no other way of saying it um, Pompey so often um, their build up play um, it feels like when it comes to an execution whether it be a cross um, a ball slipped in um, a playing, playing up to the, the, the striker or, or into from wide areas that with, with John in the middle that it, it falls down at that point because he hasn't quite got the physicality uh, or the height to, to normally get, get on the end of the balls. Uh, Danny Cowley calls him a movement striker and he, he um, presents different challenges, but it's been glaring that that's been the case. And then all of what made it so much more glaring was on Tuesday when Pompey all of a sudden did have someone to play up to and it did stick and they could get players up to them and they could get players beyond, beyond George Hurst um, all of a sudden. So then it adds another dimension uh, to... to um, to Pompey's play, I mean, Danny Cowley kind of used some technical jargon. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise, when we're talking about it, the kind of uh, the third man runs, which he was talking about, and he calls it uh, um, the, the up and throughs, where you kind of play up to the striker, he then oh, upset through, sorry, so then you then knock it back and then you get runs beyond them. This is all kind of stuff that you can we talk about, you know, run through the channel in, in other in other parlance more, but yeah, it's it's it, it's there, there to be seen that when. George Hurst was there. That all these sudden things that Danny Kelly hasn't been able to do um, with John Marcus in the team, he's been able to. He was, he was able to sort of get a glimpse of that, um, and it is just a glimpse. That, that, that that's all it is. But 
Um, you can see why Danny was so infused by what what happened, and I think that's probably tapped into it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll let you ask the question now. What 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 happened this weekend, isn't it? Well, I was going to ask Sam, like like Ellis Harrison and the AFL Trophy game against FC Wimbledon scored a hat trick. Everybody was calm for him to start. Um, I think Kylie resisted that their urge. Is this different this time? Does he feel? Sam, does he feel that Hurst offers him more than what he expects from a centre-forward than, say, Ellis Harrison did at that stage? Is there more of a case for Hurst to start against Wickham than there was for Harrison a couple of months ago, it was now? Yeah, I think so on the basis of... I think the, the thing with Ellis Harrison at that point was his injury record and coming back from uh, from an injury layoff and perhaps couldn't play the, the successive games in that period. I think this time it is... Slightly different with, with George Hurst because he's, although his game time's been limited, it's not been through conditioning. It's been through, like Jordy mentioned, his disappointment in performances that we'd seen up until that point. I think looking at the the, the past evidence, I think Cowley would still be tempted to to go with John Marquis over Hurst on Saturday. Um, I, I think he, I know Hurst offers something different and can offer the pressing off the ball, which. Cowley alludes to which Marcus gives him but as you say that's a big decision for, for Cowley on Saturday because George Hurst is now as you say he's got that confidence in him and I know Cowley mentions that it's a, a fragile commodity and you want to build on that once it's there um, and, and you say he hasn't been given much opportunities to, to start with George Hurst on the basis of his performances so Saturday would provide that perfect opportunity and wouldn't come into much criticism because everyone's thinking you know we need a change and and he provides that difference. And and as you said, Geordie said, when the ball gets to that final third, Hurst looked more capable of doing something with it and bringing more players into play than, than Marcus has proved in the last few weeks. So, yeah, I think this is slightly different with, with regards to Harrison because Harrison perhaps doesn't give Cowley what he wants on and off the ball, whereas George Hurst can do that. And, of course, Harrison was a player who was already here when, when Cowley arrived. So, obviously, Hurst has been not necessarily handpicked, but was chosen to come in by yeah. Cowley. So he's obviously seen something in him that he can give him. And it's just been a case of seeing it from him to give him that opportunity to, to start in the league. So, yeah, I think Cowley would be tempted to, to play him. I know I said on past evidence, he might go with Marquis again, but say it'd be perfect opportunity. And I think don't be too surprised if he does come in on, on Saturday. So just to clarify, you did, you did say you think he would go for Marquis earlier than... Yeah. I think he convinced himself that he talked himself around there, didn't he? That's <laughs> what sort of thing, isn't he? Yeah. he did one way and then he sort of way started a bit like a Harry Jew White pass. He went sort of another way. Like so so Jordan Gray, do you think do you think Hirsch could start against Rockham on Saturday? Oh, I think what what's I can see what exactly what Sam's saying. Like you look at the evidence, he's got he's stuck with Marcus in the end. I think that also, as you say, it's come to a point now where Cowley saw something in hers that he, had, he hasn't had. He gave him something that he hasn't. My, my, my thing would be, um, would be Hurst. Um, just because John Marcus hasn't done it over such a long period now. Um, I can't remember the exact stat, but I think it's like Neil, Neil Allen, our chief sports writer, kind of says it's over about 40 or 50 games, 11 goals or something like that. It's a little bit harsh because he takes, it goes back to when he had an excellent run and got like eight and eight and starts after that. So, um, but the points taken that 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 John Marcus has been has been a disappointment. So, um, 
yeah, I think on the basis of what Hurst could give, and it is, it just shows them the, where how, how things are that we're kind of it, it is being kind of you know one decent game and, and then he comes. There's a lack of options there, but that's where Pompey are at the moment. That's partially of that, uh, Danny Cowley's own doing, but in my own opinion, but that's um, that's a whole different matter. We can talk about that, um, but um, and I, I feel that. Hurst should be the one that, that gets a nod and probably is one of the key talking points in terms of who starts, probably along with Miguel Aziz um, going into the Wiccan game. Yeah. So just sticking with Hurst slightly, um, Sam, it has to be said though, he, he has had a lot of critics during his time at Pompey, but he's only had appearances off the bench. He's never really had a, a, a real spell in the side or anything like that like so you think people have been quick to judge him just on the back of those cameo appearances yeah I think so definitely um, slightly I think because of what they've seen up front with Marquis and then when you bring someone on to try and change a game or add something different and he hasn't been able to do that I think that's grown in the frustrations from from the whole striking situation really and he's sort of been a, a byproduct of that they say it's very difficult for anyone to come in off substitute appearances and really make a name for themselves but there is still an opportunity there to be grasped and he still hadn't quite done that um at, as i said at 22 <clears throat> football in senior football has been limited i know at, at robin last year he was again subject to to mostly substitute appearances um but like you said earlier like every every football fan is is fickle and even us and you know one minute someone can be great and one minute they can't be and i think when you look at the you know, evidence that we've seen from Hurst and the disappointment, you know, I think the whole disappointment with, with Pompey's season so far might have been reflected in that because strikers come under a hell of a lot of criticism if they don't start scoring goals and, and take a while to bed in. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's an aspect of it from being slightly too harsh and quick to judge him because he hasn't had a successive run in the side. If he had a Marquis-type run in the side where he started a successive amount of games and he still hasn't doing it, then you can kind of see why he would get that criticism. But for me, you can really only judge him if he has those, those runs in the side. But in, in addition to that, in the games he had started prior to Tuesday, I think AFC Wimbledon in the Papa John's Trophy, again, he didn't really show too much as in why he should be picked. And I think that's been another frustration from, from the Pompey fans. Jordy, here's one for you. I'm going to throw you right in the deep end here. So Danny Cowley has said, come January that he will be having conversations with players who are currently out of his side that he doesn't feel will be playing the rest of the season. You get them off the books to, to enable him to, to recruit. Say Hurst does come into the side, starts banging in the goals, Marcus finds himself on the bench and out of contract at the end of the season. Does he try and shift Marcus on in January then to help free up some space? Or is he more important to the squad in those remaining games? <laughs> oh, did thanks for that grenade. I just uh, <laughs> put that pin back in. Um, John, I think it's been it was proved last the last window. I don't think there'd be there's a there's a flux of uh, suitors for John Marcus on 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 the wages that he earns. Um, so would that change from last summer to January? Don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe someone would come up and want to. With the pressure on it in January, strikers are a premium. Um, someone might be prepared to want to take a, a punt. Uh, 
it's not inconceivable. Uh, but then I think Cowley would obviously want to kind of um, bever his own nest as well. And and and, and the, the fact of the matter is, Danny Cowley may have to make some decisions that he doesn't want to make in in, in January. Now, the the obvious people for the for the wage earners that we that Danny Cowley wants to have these honest conversations with. You're not in my team. Go and sort yourself out in January. Get yourself in the you know, in the shop window, play some football, earn yourself a contract at the end of the season. That's his argument. The obvious ones would be Michael Jacobs, Paul Downing and Ellis Harrison. They're, they're the trio that would earn significant wages that would free up money with, with Danny Cowley and, and are playing a significant amount of football. So um, I think they're, they're the ones that kind of he would be looking towards. Um, but then if they if offers don't come for them, if, if an offer comes for... I don't know. Alex Bass, say for example, someone wants going. Danny Kelly wouldn't really want to get get rid of Alex Bass. He, he's a you know an excellent, uh, promising keeper, but he's got to then have to make a decision, isn't he? Uh, where you know do I take the money that's on offer that I need to then circulate somewhere else in the squad? So the you know Lee Brown does an offer come in for Lee Brown or something like that, um, which which happened at the end of uh, August. Um, would that would that force his hand in another way? So there's there, there's things that happen and, and things that are um, imponderable at the moment that um, Danny Kelly has to react to and uh, and and kind of shift his squad around accordingly. So it's not all kind of necessarily be on Pompey's terms or how how you perceive it to be. So I think they call it a movable feast. Not not that it's not that it's quite <laughs> Easter at the moment that time of year, but yeah, um, yeah, that's that that's how it's going to probably pan out in January. Decent answer there. Very good. Very good. Well, sorry, Sam. If if Harrison Downing are say three players that he wants to move on in January, if they're not getting that much game time, or some of them are still injured at the moment, like there can't be much hope of getting them off the wage bill come January, is there? No, definitely not. And as we've said many times, January is a notoriously difficult <coughs> window to operate in if you're selling or if you're buying because. Prices inflated. Players may not want to move at this at this stage of the season. And like you say, if those players haven't done enough this season to put themselves in the shot window for clubs to think, oh, that would be a good purchase for our club, or or go in and, and try and loan. As I said, like like you alluded to, that you know, some of those are, are top earners at the club, and why and, and it's in their prerogative to stay and and take that money. So I think down to them, I think it might be similar with Ellis Harrison in the summer that. The club did try and move him on, but again, Welvin is right to stay and, and fight for his place and also stay on the on the wages that, that the club have given him. Um, so I think it's down also down to the players. If they want to move on, they will. But if they're comfortable, I'm not saying this is, you know, I'm not bashing their character in terms of I'm sure every player wants to go out and play football, but if they're injured or feel like, okay, I've still only got five or six months left on this deal, you know, that they, they might be down to them to just sit tight and and pick up that until till the summer, then move on. So I think it's going to be difficult to, to shift those players because if they were to go, that they probably would have been more likely he's gone into the summer. Um, but, you know, then you talk about, do you pay them off and get them off the wage bill? But then you've got, that money comes out of somewhere, a transfer budget anyway. So, yeah, as I say, for Pompey, it's a difficult situation in terms of shifting players to, to free up space. So it's going to be interesting. Um yeah, it's just down to the players. If they want to go out and play football, maybe whether it be a loan deal or whether it be a, a permanent transfer, I think January transfer window, especially the player holds 
most of the power over the club. Jordy, do you think Danny Curley is slightly, who might just call somebody naive, a football manager, but do you reckon he might be slightly naive to think that he can get some of those players that are currently on the front, on the fringes of the books to free up some cash? No, no, I don't think he's naive. I think he, I think, I think he's, um, he's not needed much prompting. I, I first mentioned the January window to him a few weeks ago, and, and and he was very quick to come out with the with the line about looking the players in the eyes, telling them what the what the what you know their situation is, then trying and putting the ball into their court. He's now repeated that on a few occasions, so it's a premeditated line from Danny Cowley that he wants to get that message out there. So then. Then it then it's defined, isn't it? Then he's trying to get that message, out, get that kind of raise raise awareness of what could be happening for Pompey for for other clubs. Um, I think he's realistic about it because he's he's hit a brick wall with with these with these so far these players that um, we tried to get off. But just for argument's sake, say say John Marcus, so you know he's on five thousand pound a week, or Paul Downing's on three or four thousand pound a week. I mean, Pompey. When if they pay out the contract, they don't have to. They can probably pay a portion of that up. Maybe I don't know, two or three, three grand. Say, say it was on a five thousand pound deal. If you give someone three thousand pound of that per week for the for the rest of the deal, then you might you might get an opportunity to then go out and earn three thousand pounds somewhere else. Uh, um, then then that's how that was how conceivably it would work. But obviously, you need a buyer for 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 that to happen. Um, I don't think. I don't think in defence of those players, those contracts that they were given, I don't think they're necessarily going to be finding beyond the summer, wherever they end up, that they're going to be earning that that same amount of money. So I could see, as Sam rightly says, why if, if they can't get that kind of uh, deal in place, why they would, why they, you know, Pompey gave them the contract so that they can sit tight and, and, and earn that money. So um, maybe you have to look at, <laughs> you have to look at what the, the fact that they were given the, those contracts in the first place. Um, I mean, it's well, well defined that that Ellis Harrison and John Marcus take up a, a big portion of the, um, the flex of, of the of the budget. So that's where a lot of the confusion goes. There is a big discrepancy, or there is a discrepancy between some things, some things that said by board and and Danny Cowley on on the on the uh, playing budget. But I think a part of it is the fact that people get confused that Danny's saying there's no flexibility because it's taken up by these players. And then the board are saying, well, hold on, we've pushed our butt. We've actually raised our budget. So that's where there is, yeah. there is some, there is, there are some shenanigans taking place and it will come out in the wash because there is will something called benchmarking where you get benchmarking reports now where um, around this time of year, in fact, actually where, <clears throat> Clubs uh, reports are issued, and normally they go to the clubs where they get some indication about where they are in in terms of the uh, hierarchy for uh, for uh, budgets. So um, it will come. To, I think it will come to light a bit more in the in the coming months where Pompey stand. But um, yeah, that's probably where the, the the nutshell in the nutshell where that that you get that kind of discrepancy. But yeah, Danny Cowley likes to play a game a bit on that as well. I think and uh, and yeah. There's a yeah. I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. I'll say. Leave it that. <laughs> well, Sam, you did a piece this week identifying the. I think there's 13 players out of contract at the end of the season. Kerry said he doesn't want to go what he go through what he went through this summer in terms of a total, total overhaul. But is that something that he may need to be realistic that he might have to do? Is there going to be many on that there list at this moment in time that he'll want next season? 
Yeah, there's some of, of course there's some some players on that list that Pompey will want to keep. Obviously, there's they've got options and, and um, yeah, options in contracts to to trigger extensions. That's what I'm trying to say. Marcus <laughs> Harness being one of them, um, and then the Sean Raggett. I say Lee Browner off offers coming for him late in the summer, but obviously that they, they they kept hold of him and and but these are players who are. Uh, very similar to last season, have been almost ever present in the team this season. Now, obviously, some of them, majority of them, were here before Danny Cowley arrived. So, arguably, they're not his players, but they've obviously some of them have done done really good jobs for him. So, yeah, it's, it's something I'm sure that they've already done their due diligence and, and something they've already looked at. But I think when you've got, say, 13 players run out of contract. And you're also wanting to navigate through the January transfer window and, and put some budget towards bringing new faces in. Then I think when you look at that as a, as a total or a combination, then I think it's almost inevitable that they'll go for another summer of change um, this uh, in, in July, June, July time at the end of the season, because there's no way they're going to be able to put all their budget in one. They have to, you know, spread the costs and, and put different eggs in different baskets and, and try and, find a squad and find the thing that, that best suits Danny Cowley. So, yeah, I know, it, I think he's come out and said he doesn't want that, but I think that might be a way of saying, you know, putting his thoughts out there, but I think it's a way of saying, yeah, I think they're probably already preparing for that or already having those conversations. Like I said, I spoke to Marcus Harness and, and Lee Brown yesterday. They said they haven't had those conversations with the, with the board's hierarchy yet. So yeah, it's going to be a situation that, that doesn't necessarily creep up because they say there's a lot of talk of it, but it's something that I'm sure they've already planned for, but it's, it's the time for picking the players they want to keep and making sure they get those players knuckled down before that, before that happens. Cause I know that, you know, I think the, the main one for me last season, Tom Naylor left. I think they wanted to keep hold of him, but also other ones they were, they were happy to let go, but they don't want a situation where they're losing key players to, to league one rivals on freeze again. To paraphrase the clash, Let's play a game of should they stay or should they go? Right. You ready? I'm going to name the name and you've got to say stay or go. <laughs> Surely I should be asking you these no, questions. No, you keep throwing grenades at me. I'm throwing one back at you now, mate. Right. Right, go Ellis, ahead. Ellis Harrison. I think he should go. Go. Go for me, yeah. Go, go. Callum Johnson. We'll count, we'll count Callum. I look at the defenders at the moment. There you go. <laughs> go. If, if Kelly doesn't like him now, there's no point in keeping him. Go. Yeah. Go. go. Yeah. John Marquis. Go. 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 There's my headline. Thank you. <laughs> Jay Mingy. Stay. Yeah, stay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Louis Thompson. Stay. Stay. Yeah. Michael Jacobs. Go. Yeah, go. Jaden Reed. Stay. I think he deserves he's been unlucky in the with injuries. Yeah. 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 Sean Williams. I've had the money on that. Huh? Is he 35 or 34? Not that that actually year makes a difference to this in his career. Stop on, yeah, you're procrastinating here, aren't you? I go go. I say go with an asterisk if they bring someone in. Yeah, that's a controversial one, isn't it? Yeah. 
I say keep them. Okay. Mark, we're going to rattle through these. Rico Hackett. Stay. Keep them. Yeah, stay. Marcus Harness. Stay. Now, hold on. I am going to throw a bit of a curveball in here. I say offer him a new contract because probably do have the option. But I reckon it could be a time to cash in on. If Mark, if, if Harness ends the season with, say, 15 goals, there'd be a lot of interest in him. Probably could get maybe a couple of million for him. Oh. Contact, I reckon they should Top then... In a minute, though, isn't it? Yeah, oh, two million pound. Crikey. Bite your hand off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing. That might be a little bit optimistic at the moment. Lee Brown. Here's a good one. That's a good one, isn't it? Again, I don't feel it's a yes or no answer. I'm going to say, isn't Lee, didn't Lee Brown get a pay raise? When he Stay or go, get on with it. Stay for me, I think. I think he's valuable to the squad. I'm going to say go simply because he's on big money. Yeah, it's a tough one, Lee. Lee's got like um, personal wealth as well. Does that kind of, you know, he could turn his attention to like a portfolio of property. I mean, obviously he wants to stay. But yeah. League One, I'd keep him. Not not a popular call, by the way, probably with the masses. But I, League, <coughs> League One, I'd, I'd keep Lee Brown. Anyway, I like Lee Brown. Don't let me just put that. I think he's a good player. Yeah. But I think for the money he could be on, I reckon you might get maybe one or two players in there that might help the squad. You know, know more about his contract term than I do, than do. You? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do I know? Go on, two more. Sean Raggett. Stay. Keep. And Paul Downing. Go, go, yeah. yeah. Nice finale for you there. So it's probably about, I don't know, probably about at, at variously about eight or nine goes, three or four stays was there. Should have kept record of that, but I, I, got did, two. I did. But I was keeping it in my hands, but then you started disagreeing, and then it kind of. <laughs> went away there you go. Wow, that passed five yeah, minutes. We've got a few minutes left. We got four minutes left. Right, let's with those four minutes. Let's talk about the game on Saturday. Work him away, Sam. Our Plymouth playing our Plymouth are working playing this very very smartly. They see what's going on at Pompey. Know that some of their players aren't necessarily in their starting lineup. Are they being very savvy by making this game go ahead? Oh, definitely, definitely. But as he, as Cowley said, they're obviously well within their rights to do so. But they've obviously had an eye, like you said. I think if they had, if they weren't playing Pompey this weekend, if they had a Plymouth, a Wigan, or a Rotherham, I think they might have opted to change the change the fixture and postpone it. But they see Pompey with two key players down the down the middle of the pitch, unavailable alongside the the injury problems the club have. They're, they're sensing that this could be a, a good win for them, obviously, um, with the squads. And I said the three players they've lost to international duty haven't really been in the starting lineup or in the league or, or play the succession of games in the league this season. So they won't feel that they're at a disadvantage at all. They'll feel that Pompey are with key players out. And as you say, they're well within their rights to play the game. And it's very smart, smart from them. You have to hold your hands up and, and admit that. And they'll, um, yeah, they'll feel even more confident that they can, they can go and get a result on Saturday. Jordy, you're going to the game to cover it. Are you going in the hope that Pompey may be able to nick something? Because you've seen it off in recent games. Are you going there going, you know what, we could be in for a difficult afternoon? Yeah. Um, my well-trodden line that I'm an optimist it remains, but uh, yeah, I've got to be, a, you know, you've got to be a pragmatist as well. And I don't, I think it's a tough afternoon for Pompey. 
Wickham physicality um, that, that, that they operate with. They, Danny Cowley's used that word, isn't he? The word sensing blood, smelling blood. Um, and they're using that as a motivation for going into the game. But um, yeah, I just think that Pompey have lost two big players there. Um, we know that the, the Danny Cowley's been uh, tight-lipped about the identity of the injuries, but down to 14 or 15 players now. So, I mean, I've worked that out for squad of 24. We've got six out, two away. We're really... And then, yeah, I think there's another couple of senior players that we don't know about or haven't been publicly identified that are uh, serious concerns going into the weekend as well, which, you know, that, that underlines a, a, a challenge uh, for Pompey. I think we could see Miguel Aziz um, pushing for a start. We could, we've got George Hurst coming in. But we've gone into these situations before, at Wickham, actually, where, where we've been... Um, I remember one day, one season going there with under Paul Cook, where it was very, it was um, a difficult time for him, and they actually the fans lifted Paul Cook out how they, um, how it worked at Wickham. So um, yeah, um, I don't go with a great deal of expectation, um, and probably on this occasion, if, if I'm honest, I think it's a, a tough challenge against um, a Wickham team who are a bit like Atkinson, where we're kind of the, the nightmare when, when uh, Pompey were being questioned for physicality, which they actually they responded. So Pompey has surprised us and, uh, on occasion this season, haven't they? And uh, yeah, I, I, could hope, I hope I'm proved wrong, but I think it's a tough afternoon in store. Okay, then we'll leave it at that, guys. Thank you again for your input. Thank you, Jordy, for putting me and Sam on the spot. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy the game if you're going and have a good week. See you later. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for everything you need to know about Pompey.